podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. After a week break for my own personal international uh, international break, Tadiwa and I are back to talk to you guys about transfers. It's the Anfield Index Transfer Rumor Podcast. Tadiwa, how's it going, man? Yeah, not too bad. Seems like um, not as as an eventful transfer window as many would expect, considering the injuries that a few clubs have had. But otherwise, it's it's a January window here, so it's always going to be difficult. Yeah, and I think maybe that's actually the first thing I wanted to talk about was. You know, usually at least in the January windows, you get, you know, even just more stories. Though some of them fanciful and untrue, but th- this one, there seems to have been, re- there seems to really only be, you know, three particular real threads of transfer intrigue, and they all involve Chelsea. Uh, how how, do, how does that feel overall as a window for you? I think maybe it was to be expected. I know, especially for Liverpool. You know, if if you if you keep your your ear to the ground regarding Liverpool, you you were expecting it to be this quiet. Um, maybe the fan in you hopes the club is going to surprise you and get someone in because you know it's always fun getting a new a new player in. But from Liverpool's perspective, I think we sort of knew we weren't going to be getting. Maybe the likes of Spurs were hoping to be getting. I mean, this could be twelve twelve months without getting a single player in, which would be incredible. Um, and then, as you said, the main guys, especially in the Premier League, seem to be Chelsea, who are trying to find a way to reignite a front line that just hasn't been firing this season. Yeah, I, I see it that way too. Now, one of the things that I think we should probably talk about, because you know, this is this is a Liverpool-centric podcast, and we'll we'll talk about Chelsea a little bit later. Is really when you come into Liverpool and in our particular strand of injuries, right? We we have. Two center backs who are currently out in Joe Gomez and Dejan Lovren. Gomez, we hoped, would have been training by now, but seems to be um, a, de- a delay in that injury uh, recovery. Um, and I think maybe that's just the club, you know, said it would be six weeks, probably, but, you know, he fractured something in his leg, so it's really probably eight to ten weeks. But then that leaves us still pretty short on the back line with uh, Nathaniel Klein being lined out, loaned out. Now, in, in a vacuum, I don't really have an issue with Klein being loaned out because I just think you know, the guy played three games in 18 months. But I guess the question is, do you think Liverpool should go into the market for a defender? It will be tricky to see how we do navigate it because obviously if you look at the caliber of our team at the moment, we can't just go and sign just any defender really. We, we're starting to look at a, a pretty niche market. Um, and considering the way that the style of football we play, not many defenders are used to being asked to not only just defend, but be part of the attacking side of the game. And you could see that was probably, um, Klein's downfall in that going, you know, defensively, he's pretty sound. He's pretty solid. You know, you're going to get about a seven out of 10 performance from him pretty much every game. Whereas the complaints seemed to be he wasn't contributing as much as we would have liked going forward. So if if we're now trying to sign a player 
in January, which is already difficult to, to, to sign a player and trying to sign a player who is comfortable being an all-round fullback or an all-round centre-back as, as we're now requiring. It's a very, very small market and to price someone of, of that calibre away from a club, it's going to be expensive. So it, it just doesn't seem like it's something that's viable at the moment. It's also, you know, from, from the way Klopp has spoken throughout this window, he seems comfortable taking that risk of I'm going to get my centre backs back, you know, within the next, at least, at least by middle of February or late February. He probably has in his head that he's going to have all of his players back barring any further injuries or setbacks, as you said, with Joe Gomez. So I think Klopp's already taken that calculated risk and thinks he's going to be fine. Um, from my perspective, I would have loved us to get a, a right back in uh, just to to make it a lot more comfortable for us going into this you know crucial part of the season. You really don't want anything to to hinder you, and the last thing you want hindering you is it having to be injuries, you know, um, unfortunate injuries as well. Matchup, you know, in the last second of a game, getting injured and he's out for a spell, and then Gomez playing right back getting injured, chasing a ball that, you know, he never really was going to get to. Um, I, I have my own reservations of why he was even playing right back in the first place, but uh, I suppose that's for another day. No, that, 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 that's fine. I mean, I, I uh, it's fine because I agree with you and I don't want Joe Gomez playing right back. He's a center back to me, and that's where he needs to play. Uh, for me, really, the, the issue is I, I think we're going to – we'll probably get we, – we have to get through realistically one game because – not every single time that James Miller is going to play right back is he going to be facing against, uh, is he going to be facing Wilfred Zaha? Cause, you know, Zaha's probably, the, the only other guy who I, who scares me out wide in dribbling in such a wide, in such wide areas in the league is probably Adama Traore. But, you know, Zaha's got more, more end product and that's why it was scary. But we really just need to navigate the Leicester game. And I don't know that you should always, I don't know that you solve a problem necessarily by going into the market and just buying a defender. Because I think you're right. We have to buy a defender who actually fits our style. Because the last thing we want to do is buy a guy, have him on our wage bill, not be able to shift him off for, for, you know, being there for six months. Now, we could enter the loan market, but I don't know what would even be there that we would possibly, that we, that we'd even want to pay their wages of on the loan market. Um, so, and and then the other thing too is if you look at the types of players that we're going to buy a lot of them are on teams that are progressing in competitions like the Europa League and the Champions League where their teams aren't going to want to let them go right we're not like you said we're buying from a new uh from from a new category and this is where we also just have to hope that Michael Edwards is every bit as good, as, as good as he demonstrated which is still being able to find the players like Andy Robertson who Probably could fit what we do, but might not necessarily be recognized for what he is just then. Those are the kind of players that we that that we can hope to find during this kind of window. But teams in relegation straps aren't going to let their best players go as well. So it's just a tough window to buy in. But it also just sucks coincidentally that it's when we have an injury issue. Yeah, and I think probably the the length of the injury issue probably sealed the fate in us not really being aggressive in this window. If maybe we were in a situation like Spurs, who I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to later on in the podcast, where your two key players are out for, you know, pretty much the rest of this back end of the season, coming back late, you know, March, April, trying to get their fitness back. And then maybe you're looking at buying people. But uh, 
all indications seem to show that Klopp is, is, is comfortable. And remember, we, we lost Coutinho in a January window and Klopp didn't even feel the need to replace him. And he, he was being sold. Now, imagine we've got injuries that, you know, to players who are coming back in February. It just makes it really unlikely for me to see him being aggressive in this window. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. So we really are kind of now going into the situation where we are, there's, there's, you know, a few rumors of Liverpool players going out. We've obviously spoken about Alberto Moreno going to, uh, going back to the Liga. That seems a foregone conclusion. I'd be shocked if we don't see him sign a pre-contract this month, to be perfectly honest. But then another, there is one rumor that did come up for a, a Liverpool player in the last week. Um, 20 million pound signing from, from, uh, Benfica, Lazar Markovic. Never hit the ground running as a Liverpool player. Um, some people will blame Brendan Rodgers. Some people will blame the player himself. Some people who have a brain will blame both because it takes two to tango. But um, he was linked with a move to uh, to Mexico City's Club America. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this, Tadewa? Um, just hope he he's able to to I don't know I I don't know if he will ever reach the 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 potential that he had. I mean. Obviously, the popular thing nowadays is to call someone the inverted commas Messi, you know, the Argentinian Messi, the, the Spanish Messi, the Serbian Messi. But he was getting that level of praise when he was coming up. So he was quite a talented player. And I think it, Lazar Markovic's time at Liverpool and even the signing of him probably shows how far we've come. Uh, in terms of our ideology and transfers, he was part of that group of players we were signing when we were really signing unproven youngsters and trying to grow them. Whereas now you can see we've sort of gone up a bit in terms of even age bracket. A lot of our signings now are more in the mid twenties. Whereas at that point in time, we were signing or looking to sign players who were, you know, maybe just entering their twenties or, you know, late teens. And, it's just unfortunate that, as as you said, it, it it does take two to tango, and I do think it was just an unfortunate timing for him. I I thought there were times where he showed glimpses of the of the type of player he could be, and then all of a sudden he would be out of the team. Now, whether something happens in training, we 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 aren't privy to that, so we can only assume based on what we see. But it it just seems even with the loan spells that he he's had, it's just. He seems uninspired at the moment. Um, so hopefully if, if he does make this move, it's a move that he actually wants and he can actually now go back to, which I would hope is his first love of just playing football. Just get back to playing football. Forget the media fanfare. Forget the hype, um, that came along with him and he should just concentrate on, on playing again. In terms of playing for Liverpool, I, I think it's evident that he, he's not going to play for us. Even if we we did have an injury injury crisis, he has been nowhere near the team. So yeah, all the best to him. No no hard feelings from me. It's just one of those that that don't work out. To be fair, he does have experience playing right back, having done so under Brendan. Brendan. So you know, and I mean, I feel for the guy because at a young age, the manager who was there to develop him didn't know what he was doing. But at some point, the player has to take responsibility for himself. I will say this, um, if, if, if he thinks that the passion has gone from his game, uh, fans of Mexico City will, will let him know pretty quickly that he, that he needs to have a return or else it's going to be a, a difficult existence for him there. Uh, because, you know, Club America does have a pretty big following and a pretty iconic stadium. And, uh, 
he's gonna need he's gonna need to show up if he does go there because that that's a that's a fan that's a fan base the you know not not saying that Liverpool fans don't don't uh you know ask for a lot or Benfica do don't ask for a lot but that's a fan base that you know demands a lot of their players um you know being probably the biggest biggest club in Mexico which is you know as we all know a pretty a pretty big soccer nation football soccer whatever you want to call it uh but moving on um. Really, all the intrigue in this window is really with Chelsea's front line. Um, as we know, Gonzalo, Gonzalo Higuain has become a, a, you know, is officially unveiled as a Chelsea player for the next six months on loan from, from Juve. And then, uh, Callum Hudson Odoi has handed in a transfer request to go to Bayern Munich. And apparently Alvaro Morata has passed an Atletico uh, Madrid medical. Uh, so my question on Chelsea having to do this much for this front line is, is this proof that Mo Salah is just a significantly better player than Eden Hazard? <laughs> I knew you were going to try and sneak that in there somehow. Um, yeah, look, uh, uh, Hazard, I think is, I don't, I personally don't think he's consistent enough to, to be in that elite level, you know, where you look at the, obviously Ronaldo Messi, probably had their own tier of ranking. And then just below that, that's when you had the likes of, I don't know, maybe Slatan Ibrahimovic, Mbappe, if you want to throw him in there, the Neymars. And I think Salah probably leads the line for, for that second tier. And I think that whether Hazard sneaks into that one, at the start of the season, he was certainly making a case for it. He was a lot more consistent in terms of his production. But has... The, the the trouble the frontline has had influenced his his downturn. I mean, at the beginning of the season, I didn't think he was going to be able to last throughout the season producing the way he was going to be. And you know, based on the numbers, he was set for a season with you know twenty more than twenty goals in the league and close to you know fifteen assists, which is something we we would expect from the elite players in the league. Um, I, I I don't know if him moving to another club might might help with with that maybe uh, it's it's just difficult for Eden Hazard I I really don't know what it it seems like he's in limbo at the moment at Chelsea just waiting for the move to Real Madrid that just never seems to happen um we've seen that happen with David de Gea but David de Gea has actually been the best keeper in the Premier League for for quite a while and obviously there are a few contenders now trying to knock him off that perch but in terms of everything else around Chelsea, you know, you mentioned Morata going out. Um, I'm, I, he always wanted to go back to to Madrid. I think the wrong side of Madrid he's gone to now. Um, in terms of the one he ideally, he probably wanted to go back to Real Madrid. But Atletico Madrid are just as competent, you know, especially at, in La Liga. And considering how Madrid have been struggling this season, I think it could be a good move for him to get back home. Atletico seem to always have decent strikers and decent forward lines. Maybe they can get the most out of him. Now Higuain coming in to replace him. You can see, you know, why he was looking to bring someone in. Chelsea are, I think they're second on, on the league, Premier League table in terms of key passes. Um, whereas they have the worst goal return of the top six. So clearly they're, they're creating stuff. They just don't have someone to finish it. And, you know, Sarri got a great season out of Higuain when he was at Napoli, so maybe he's looking to rekindle that. Um, the move itself, uh, Sarri was trying to get it done actually you know, in August, and then 
Higuain decided to go to AC Milan instead of joining Chelsea, and that hasn't seemed to work out well. I think he's only scored about six goals or something like that this season. So maybe I think it's just a, a, a good marriage for for both Sarri and for Higuain. Higuain and trying to join a coach who has been able to get the best out of him and maybe look to get the best out of him again. And then also for Sarri, someone who's comfortable playing his style of football and also hopefully getting in one of the better finishers in world football. Um, and then lastly, I think it was Hudson Adoy, as you mean, and I think he, he's started today's game, the FA Cup game, uh, we're recording as, as Chelsea are playing. So it's interesting that, you know, the, the, I don't know if he handed in the transfer request today or a couple of days ago, but for him to be starting the game after having handed in a transfer request, is it a little too late? Are they, are they still trying to convince him to stay? Or I, I think he has his mindset on, on joining Bayern Munich. And Bayern Munich seem to be as willing to get him in. And I, th- I think it would be great for the player uh, to get, you know, Bayern Munich is in the, the top three biggest clubs in Man United, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid. So, you know, and this is just purely on those, not to say that those are my favorite clubs, but just statistically and financially speaking. Um, I think maybe, Maybe Chelsea let the ball slip on that one. They should have been starting him a lot more. If you look at who was ahead of him, Pedro was ahead of him, William was ahead of him, Hazard was injured for for us for the early early parts of preseason and beginning of the season. So maybe he could have gotten a few more minutes there. But Phil Foden has actually gotten more minutes than Hudson Odoi this season. And look how stacked that City team is. So I can understand why he. He's been keen to go somewhere else where he'll be feeling a lot more appreciated. Do, do you feel that Chelsea did enough to try and keep him, or was it a little too late? Oh, I think it's I think it's too little, too late. And where, where I would go with this is you have to look at who Chelsea plays on their forward line. Is Pedro so good that you you that he's irreplaceable? Is William so good that he's irreplaceable? At this point, if you have a young player who's going to offer more of a spark, I think that's what you need to go with. And I would probably use, I probably would have used Hudson Adoy quite a bit because I mean, he's well regarded. He's, Bayern don't buy typically bad players, right? They go out and get what they want almost all the time, which is players who are on or nearing world class. Now, there's a lot of turnover in that Bayern squad because they've probably reached the end of a generation that, you know, won a Champions League and won the, won the Bundesliga pretty much as, as like, you know, the birthright of that team. So, I think Hudson Adoy is probably like, you know, a link to the next era for them. I think that, you know, Jadon Sancho has shown that young English players might actually be better than they're managed in the Premier League. And if you just give them a chance, they could probably turn it really, really on in the Bundesliga. So I think that, you know, Hudson Adoy probably should have just been given more chances in the Chelsea first team in the league, especially because they haven't been scoring a lot lately, right? They, they just haven't been. If you look the striker situation, Giroud hasn't scored much. Uh, Murata seemed to miss one-on-ones all the time. Uh, Hazard, you know, he's really good, but his main, his main contribution is going to be kind of more playmaking and creative in any way, because if you look, his biggest skill is his ability to retain the ball, dribble, and set up play. He is not a particularly great goal scorer. He's a good one, but they just probably needed to give Hudson Adoy a chance, and by not doing so, I think they're really just, you know, 
hamstringing them and showing why young players who go to Chelsea should at some point learn their lesson that this club doesn't give its young players a chance. And that's been his, that's been a problem for them. And it, it's one that, you know, as someone who doesn't particularly want to see them do well, long may it continue. But I still think they need to improve the forward line. And if they has, if they had an internal option, like a, Cal, like a, you know, a, a Hudson Adoy, I just don't know why they didn't use him. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think you've summed it up pretty well. And it'll be interesting to see how many minutes he does get at, at Bayern Munich. I think, Probably Bayern are being more aggressive in, in getting him in because of the injury, pro- injury problems that, um, Kingsley Coman has had and just trying to, as you said, build that next, um, generation or, or, or that next team that's going to take over from the Ruby and Robins. And if they start now, whilst Ruby and Robin are still there, I think it's a very good uh, betting in process. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look, that team probably needs to replace. They need a new keeper at some point soon. Neuer's game is regressing a bit. They're probably good at left back with Alaba for a little bit longer. Um, I think Alaba's the best left back in the world, by the way. Um, they probably need to get younger at center back, which they're starting to do. They've needed to get younger at right back. Well, they don't actually. Though. Joshua Kimmich is good and young. I was thinking about Philip Baum for a second, but I forgot he retired two years ago. Um, and in midfield, they definitely need to get younger because outside Goretzka, they have uh, an aging midfield. They're aging. They're aging on the wings, and Lewandowski's not getting any younger. So there's there's a lot that they need to do to rebuild that squad. Luckily for them, you know their competitive advantage in Germany allows them to go basically snap up all the good young talent in that country, which we know that there's quite a bit of. But there, there's there's a big project there's a big bit of work ahead for them because I could see Muller staying there. I think Muller is the one player who I think will his game will age really well because he looked like he played like a sixty five like a like you know a sixty year old when he was twenty one. So I mean, otherwise there's a lot that they need to replace there. So they're going to be hitting the market heavily this summer, and we'll probably talk about it more this summer. But uh, mo- moving on to another team in the, in the league. Um, Tottenham Hotspur have lost Dele Alli and Harry Kane for a month alongside Sungmung Kim, Sung, Sung Young Kim, uh, going to, uh, you know, the, the Asia games. That's, that takes three of their best four attacking players away in a, in a side that's, you know, at this point now pretty decimated. Uh, I guess my question to you is, what the hell are they doing considering the fact that two weeks ago they were speaking about, being spoken about is still in the title race? And now they have a legitimate shot of falling out of the top four, which for Spurs would be disastrous. So I guess the question is, what what are they thinking? They're thinking they're building a stadium and it's costing a lot more than they thought it was going to. And I, I suppose if they just had to look down the road at Arsenal, you could see it's it's tough, especially if you don't have, you know, the the Man City monies or the, you know, where you can buy your way out of that problem. It's very expensive to build a stadium and maybe they were banking on the fact that their squad was young enough or already so that that squad could, or at least the, the main bulk of that squad could help them through this phase where they're building um, and not have to rely on buying too many players. Just hope those players that they already had were going to grow together, you know, from for years to come. Now, as you said, they 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 did lose quite a quite a lot this January, and it seems like they're having uh, 
uh, what used to be Klopp's January for for Liverpool. He it's it's Klopp's worst month um, on record uh, for for Liverpool. Um, it just seems like at Spurs, everything has come so quickly and so fast at them, and they just seem not to be able to handle it at the moment. Um, earlier today, they they lost in the FA Cup, so they're out of that tournament too. You know, FA Cup, Carling Cup, um, Premier League, as you mentioned, top four is in danger. So it's going to be a really interesting week for them. And if they do do something, Pochettino has hinted that Spurs are looking at signing, you know, at, at making signings. But how much weight can Spurs throw into into big moves? I'm not sure. Um, as we said, you know, with the stadium and and even the fact that you know it. It's difficult, for example, to bring in someone to sit on the bench for Harry Kane for, you know, 30 of the 38 games of the season because Kane plays a lot of football. That's probably what's led to his injury now. And then similarly, you know, Deli Ali, Christian Eriksen, they probably hold that central midfield, uh, that attacking role is probably theirs for, for, for keeps. Um, the host, um, Homing Song, I think South Korea suffered a, a shock defeat in the Asian Cup. So I think he could be coming back earlier than, than had been anticipated, but he's also played a lot of football. So will he be able to, to drag them through this, this period of time? He's mentioned that he, he feels physically empty. Um, so I don't know how much of a break he's going to get, whether he, he needs one. I think he definitely needs one. Whether he's going to get one, Spurs don't seem to to be willing to give their players enough of a break. Um, so that will be interesting to monitor. Now, in the window, I have noticed that they, when Musa Dembele left um, this window, obviously Spurs were looking at central midfielders. But in terms of their Champions League squad, They've put Foyth into into the squad, um, replacing Dembele. So one would have to assume that Spurs are going, to, if they're going to sign anyone, it's going to have to be a, a player that classifies as homegrown. Um, if if well, at least if they if they have plans for that player playing in the Champions League, because their Champions League squad is now full in terms of foreign players, and they can't add anyone else in. So that also then diminishes who they can bring in I, I don't know if you if you have thoughts on, on on whether they would still get maybe someone just to play Premier League um I think they, they may have done something similar with Lucas Mora last January where he may have been cup tied and he was only playing Premier League I mean I, I think it's all irrelevant anyway because I think they're probably only going to be playing two more Champions League matches so <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, part of me feels for them and part of me doesn't because I actually think that Spurs are a club that at least have tried to go about their business in a self-funded way. And I appreciate, and I appreciate that. I actually, I, th- I, re- I respect and admire the job that Pochettino's done there, even though he ma- has managed now to massively put his foot in his mouth by trying to call out Klopp and saying, well, we're in all four, we're still in four competitions in there in two last week. Um, when, you know, everybody was talking about Liverpool's squad, uh, squad depth and strength. Which now, objectively, I think you have to say is better than Spurs because we, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're ten points ahead of them, and even though we're now, you know, in neither the the uh, the League Cup or the FA Cup, neither are they. Uh, and what did we have to show for it? Ten more points in the league than they do. So the other thing that I wanted to bring up is the fact that Spurs did in fact lose in the FA Cup before a semi final. So 
at least they don't have to take their fans through that bit of disappointment again, where you know they're really good at losing in semifinals. Like really, probably, really good at it. Probably better than we are at losing in finals. Oh, they would absolutely. Argue. <laughs> I, I guess to ask this question about Spurs, though, if they so if they drop out of the Champions League at the end of this season, uh, who do you see leaving and who do you see staying? Because I think the players that you have to look at would probably be Harry Kane, who I think actually knows that his value is is, is greater to Spurs than it is to anybody else. Uh, and then I think you'd have to think that you know Son and uh, Ericsson are gonna look are gonna listen to offers. I think. First and foremost, probably the easiest one to discuss would be Ericsson, because he doesn't seem like he's signing a new contract at all. And, you know, that would leave him with, I think, one year left. His, his deal expires in 2020. Now, considering Spurs are a club that, as you said, are self-funding and have the limitations of the, you know, the, the having built a stadium or building a stadium, they really can't afford any players to be leaving on a free transfer. You can see they had to, you know, um, they had to pull up the, the extension clause for Alderweireld, which, which is probably going to see him leave for to about 25 million, I think is the clause in, in the summer. And then, so if he's gone and then most likely they're going to be losing Christian Eriksen unless he signs a new contract, that's probably two really massive players for them, um, who, they're not going to get as much value when they leave as they could have, they could have gotten. And I think this is a similar situation that Arsenal find themselves in at the moment in that both Arsenal and Spurs fans I've, I've heard talking about, well, Liverpool have done it this way. So, you know, why, why aren't our owners doing it this way as well? But the, the key thing for Liverpool, what was done very smartly and you can give Michael Edwards and the crew a lot of credit is, even when Liverpool had players that wanted to leave, we made sure either they signed a contract in the January and left in the summer, like, you know, like a Luis Suarez where he signed in January just so that when we sold him, we still sold him for a very high fee. He kept his value. Similar situation with the Coutinho thing. You know, obviously he left on sour terms, but it was still a case of after he had signed a brand new five-year contract. That's what allowed Liverpool to 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 be able to sell the Coutinho for 140 million and then go and buy an Allison and a Fabinho and still have change left over. Whereas if you're a Chelsea or an I mean if you're a Spurs or an Arsenal where you're you know having Mesut Ozil left out of the team, so obviously his value is going down. Having an Aaron Ramsey leaving for Juventus on a free transfer, having an Alderweireld going for 25 million. These are, these are things that you need to be capitalizing on. And it could end up being very, very bad for Spurs if they do fail to get into the Champions League. Because as you said, the likes of Harry Kent could start looking at potential, potential new destinations. Man United might not be as happy with Lukaku as they first imagined the impact he would have. Would they be looking at a Harry Kane? Possibly. There've always been shouts of, you know, the international market looking at Kane, whether he would leave England. I'm not too convinced on that, but you never know. Um, in terms of Deli Ali, I, I think for Deli Ali, he's still quite comfortable at Spurs. I, I don't see him necessarily kicking up a fuss unless maybe Man City came calling. But other than that, I really don't see him being too perplexed at 
not being in the Champions League for at least the season. He is got an, a, a new deal, I believe, so he, he's earning quite a good paycheck there. They were clever in using their transfer budget this past summer in securing some of their top assets and getting their new contracts. So maybe they could sell them for a lot, but it's these ones, the Ericsons, the Alderweireld's, that are going to sneak under the radar, which might be bad for them if they don't make Champions League and now they don't have the money to replace these guys that are going out. So, so let me ask you this question. If any of the guys who potentially, let's just assume Spurs fall out of the Champions League, would you, would you take any of these players, at, would you take any of them at Liverpool? Any of the players that we think might potentially leave if they want continued Champions League football? Uh, I think Christian Eriksen probably tops my list. Um, that creative attacking player who is amazing at, you know, the dead ball situation. He's got one of the best deliveries in, in the Premier League, probably just behind De Bruyne for me. Um, and I think he could add a lot to, to our, our, our team and add a lot of depth as well. Not necessarily, you know, um, that he would have a set position because we've seen with Klopp how he can bring in a Gini Wijnaldum who was playing left wing at Newcastle and he ends up playing as the six at Liverpool. So you can just imagine what Klopp could do with such a creative player like Ericsson. Um, and also having Ericsson would probably allow us to continue the, the fluidity of moving between, you know, the 4-3-3, the 4-2-3-1, not just off the bench, but during a game as well. And uh, as I've said, he is quite a, quite a highly sought after player. Real Madrid have said they've, um, you know, they've, they've, they've walked away for, for the time being on the Ericsson deal purely because Levy was quite, was quite upset with the bullish way Real Madrid have been handling, you know, how they're going to be getting Ericsson. I suppose we, we've seen that similar style of, of bullishness with Barcelona for Coutinho. Um, but Levy, he, he, he was very upset and, and he just shot the price up way more than Real Madrid were now expecting to pay. So they said they've walked away for the time being. But in walking away, they've also said, you know, by the way, Man United, Juventus and Bayern have also been looking at, at Ericsson. So whoever's going to be getting him, I think it's going to get, they, it could end up being a little bit of a bidding war, which might help Spurs out in, in getting a bit more for him than, they might necessarily have gotten for a player that has one year left in his contract. In terms of anyone else that could potentially leave, I don't see, you know, you could say a Delhi Ali, but Delhi Ali doesn't, you know, is he scarred from, from that almost coming to Liverpool, but not really coming? Um, saga that happened with, un, under Brendan Rodgers. Um, if he becomes available, look, you, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't turn your, turn your nose or to, turn away from a Delhi Ali and he could be a, a good option coming in. But for me, Ericsson, uh, in terms of defense, I don't see Alderweireld still being at that top level. I think his injuries are, are catching up to him and he, he's starting to as get on his age. Top. So yeah, definitely as, as is his age. So, so that could be, that could be a problem. I, for me, it, it, it's just got to be Ericsson. I, I don't know if you have any other ones. I, I, I think I, I like Son. I think he'd actually fit across our yeah. forward line. Yeah. But the, for me, it's Ericsson and Son are the two I think are the ones that would work. Uh, I, I, you know, we we would never end up with Harry Kane. Plus, I'm too compromised on my feelings on Harry Kane to give an, an actually honest answer on that one. 
he just doesn't seem like a player that would end up at Liverpool. I, I, maybe Man United. I've, I've always seen him potentially going to Man United and, and just not Liverpool. I, I don't see it. Oh no, I I I don't see it all. He 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 is just not the type of player we buy. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. But your 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 son chart is a good chart, especially as backup for like a Mane on on that left hand side. He he could add a lot of depth. Yeah, he he does, and he does different things than uh does different things than you know Mane than Mane, but still has the uh the out and out pace to actually at least. Stretch it defense because you know the one thing that we don't have a, a ton of off the bench from an attacking from an attacking sense is pace. Like Shakiri, for all the things he is, I wouldn't go out and say that like Jordan Shakiri is pacey. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, but um, before we close the show, I do want to talk. About, well, I do want to actually talk about two other things. But I'll go to I'll go to the less uh the less sad one first. Um, rumored to be going to China, staying in East London. Marco Arnautovic. Uh, signs a contract extension with West Ham United. Uh, it's interesting because I think Arnautovic is a player who probably could play at a, a club a level higher. Like, I think he could play probably, like, he, I think he'd solve some problems for Spurs while they have all these injuries, you know, for, for example. Um, I think, I think he'd be a, a good option for us because, uh, he's a bit more reliable and healthy at this moment in time than, uh, you know, like, say, a Daniel Sturridge as far as health goes and reliability and ability. He's a better player than Divock Origi. So, like, he's the type of player who I think, like, we could have used. Are, are you, are you surprised he's staying at West Ham? And, and, or do you think that this is probably just one of those contracts signed to, uh, try to add to the transfer value, even though, you know, I think he is around, I think, I think Arnautovic is around 29, so I think he's probably, you know, China would have been his last big, you know, big money move if he was able to make it there. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was, he was on the way out. And yeah, at, at 29, as you mentioned, I think his birthday is in April. Um, this is probably his last big contract that he could get unless he leaves in the summer. Um, but, but, you know, I think it was that the last game he did actually play. For, for West Ham, he, he got subbed off and he, he did the double arm wave, which usually, you know, the commentators were saying that's usually the sign that the player is leaving. But, um, it, it's been interesting that they've been able to tie him down. I would be interested to know how much his, his pay has increased for him to stay. Um, cause he was going to be getting around upwards of 180,000 a week going to China. And I, I doubt he's going to be anywhere near that at West Ham, but surely it was enough that they've upped, um, that's convinced him to, to stay. I think it would have been a shame if he left for China. I think he, he's definitely, as you said, he's a very useful player in the Premier League. And I think, you know, that move to China could still always come the two or three years down the line. I'd still think he could make that big money move, but at the moment, I don't see why he should have left. He's still contributing at West Ham. They look a completely different team when he's playing, and your shot for him being a, a backup player um, is is a good one. My only fear with him going upper tier in terms of Premier League teams is, would he be a player that would be happy sitting on a bench and coming on, you know, every now and then? That would be my worry. I think for him, this is you know, a, a West Ham is the perfect place where. You're not necessarily in danger of relegation, but you always have to be careful saying that with West Ham because sometimes they just do silly. They they have and, actually and been relegated in. within the last decade. So yeah, exactly. That that's the thing. You, you, somehow, if, at the beginning of every season, you think 
okay, they're, they're in for a shot for, for a top 10 finish. And then they just happen to mess it up somehow. So, but with him playing with the likes of Nasri coming in, Philippe Anderson is on form. They're building quite a decent team there at West Ham. And I think if they continue in this trajectory, I think that would be the perfect place for him to stay and just see out this last bit of his career in the Premier League and then push for that big, big money move, um, abroad. Yeah. I, I think he's, I think he's a decent player. Um, but I also just think that, uh, Pellegrini's doing actually a pretty good job of that West Ham side. Uh, so I can imagine West Ham Twitter has like the same kind of argument that Liverpool Twitter does too. The only thing is you can just replace Henderson with Noble and basically like it's the same probable discussion. Yeah, I, I, I would, I'd have to assume so as well. And I've never looked wow, at West Ham Twitter, so this is just a guess. That, that's a great comparison, I think, but it's one you might not want to touch. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not in a rush to find out. What comes in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, um, but I think, I think it was the right call for him to stay. Do, do you agree oh, with his decision to stay or? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that China as a destination playing right now is really just where you go when you've been, um, fined multiple million uh, euros by the Spanish authorities when you've hidden tax money at either Barcelona <laughs> and Real. And you need to go someplace that's going to basically pay you a lot. So that, that's, that's, I mean, that's my feeling. I'm playing in China at the moment. They, they, I mean, that's, uh, I, I can't picture the quality of play in that league being particularly good. Um, uh, seems like it's probably just, you know, kind of similar to MLS, only you get a lot more money out of it. Yeah, that's true. But, um, before, before we close this week's show, um, in a, in a bit of sad news, uh, uh, not forward or no, I, I mean I guess he was registered for a player as Cardiff, but uh, Cardiff forward slash not forward Emilio Emiliano uh, Sala, uh, his plane uh, uh, it's you know is presumed to have crashed in the English Channel, um, while flying from Nantes to uh, Cardiff after he had flown back to Nantes just to say bye to his teammates and was actually heading to his first training session. Um, this one's just just an incredibly sad story. And I don't really know exactly what we can talk about with this, but what 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 do you make of it? Because it's just it's you ha- you can't do anything but feel for basically pretty much everybody involved. I just wonder how you know with a player who you know just transferred for eighteen million you know pounds, how they couldn't get a a better jet and a better pilot. Yeah, it's as you said, it's just a really really sad story and and such a difficult one to to have to to wrap your head around i mean for me i think the 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 first thought i had was he's likely to be the breadwinner of not just you know his immediate family but probably you know a a larger part of his extended family as well and and to think you know he's now coming to the premier league he's going to have all eyes on him you know um it it was a chance for him maybe to to step up in terms of financial brackets as well, and then to have that all taken away, or potentially taken away, um, it, it's just really really gut gut wrenching and really sad. So the the best I can probably give is just thoughts and prayers to the family themselves, and and then also to the club as well. Um, both clubs, you know, it, it's such a difficult situation to have to handle. Um, Cardiff obviously were expecting a player coming in and, and now they're not, might not, you know, necessarily get that player now. Um, it's just a really, really difficult situation. 
Yes, it, no, it's it's you just you can't help but feel badly for everybody, and also just probably a little bit angry that uh you know better 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 safety protocols weren't weren't used in action because apparently there were red flags around both the kind of the plane and and the pilot and. You you just hate when that is just. I mean, you, you wouldn't want that to happen to anybody. But if you know, the more public the person, and the more, especially I find like when it comes to athletes and sports, um, you know, quite often these guys are people who have worked really hard and you know bring joy into bring joy basically into our lives. You know, quite often, and it's sad to see someone who yeah. brings joy into into people's lives uh, taken way too early and relatively senselessly. And before his big move, yeah. You know. It seemed like it was something that was going to push him up to 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 a high echelon, and it's yeah, it's just a really really sad situation. Yeah. So so before we go though, I'm going to ask you one question: uh, Who's playing? Who's playing right back for the for Liverpool against uh, Leicester? Oh, jeez, because James Milner's out. Hey? James Milner's suspended. Trent still. Gomez has had a setback. In, yeah. And Trent, I believe, is still yeah. out. Personally, I, I I would throw Camacho in there, just just because I don't want to lose Fabinho in midfield. Um, I think I think he, you can see even, um, how well Henderson plays next to him. It, he's Fabinho seems to for me to be like Van Dyke for our um defense in that he lifts the performances of everyone around him, and and. He's been a joy to watch in midfield, and I know he plays right back for Brazil. And at the moment in Brazil, they only see him as a right back. I'm 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 really not sure if him playing right back would suit us and the style of play that we want to bring to the table. Um, I'm sure he could do a competent job. I just feel I'd rather have Camacho there, leave Fabinho in midfield, and then we take it from there. I uh, yeah, I'd probably play. Camacho there too, and just hope that Genie is health. Genie is ready because I think if you play Genie and Fabinho together with Camacho at right back, you uh, you, you can you can mitigate you, you can cover some of the spaces that Camacho might leave open when he attacks. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it would I think it would leave us less open. All right, um, so that brings us to the end of this week's show. Um, today, you got anything you uh, you want to plug? Um, yes, uh, I think tomorrow I'm going to be on making my debut on the wrestling podcast, just reviewing the Royal Rumble weekend. Um, and then on Wednesday, I, sh- I think I'm one of the panelists on the Nina Kauza show straight after the Leicester game. So, um, people should jo- definitely join us on Discord. I think we, we, we go live right after the game. So that should be fun. Yeah. And, uh, I, I actually did it after the Palace game. I'll say this. You know what? Being being on after like a one nil or a two nil where we've won is less fun than being on after a four three. <laughs> you have more to talk about. I have nothing to plug. Thank you. This has been the Transfer Room Podcast. Network.